elite competition grips the world of soccer every season. We partner with InfoGoal to examine the data behind some of the biggest matches soccer has to offer and assist you in finding value in the market. This is the Champions League betting blueprint. Hello and welcome to Pinnacle's Champions League Betting Blueprint Podcast. And it's with me, James Gregg, Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal, and also Andrew Beasley as well, our resident expert, joining us once again for this new season. And gents, I can't wait for this new Champions League season. There's loads of different storylines. It looks a little bit different to how it has done in the last few years, a few different dynamics, and uh, there's a few tasty groups, and we'll be running through them. Um, very shortly as well. It's difficult to know where to start. I don't think we'll start with outright winners and, and stuff like that. I think what we'll do is we'll go through some of the groups. First of all, of course, this is the podcast where you're trying to get the edge at the start of the Champions League season. We'll do a few more throughout um, the competition as it goes on. And as ever, you can head to pinnacle.com. There's the best odds on there from Pinnacle, all the different outrights and different permutations, top scorers and that kind of thing as well. Um, we'll go through some of the groups then, gents, shall we? Um, just before we started recording, we were talking about the very tasty group that Liverpool are in and also another one that caught my eye and caught all of our eyes was Manchester United's group. So we'll start with that. We'll start with Group F um, and that is Manchester United and Villa Real going head to head again. Of course, a repeat of the Europa League final. Um, right, gents, um, I want to get your thoughts on this group. Where can we find the value in this? I mean, you know, Villarreal, they are kind of specialists in Europe, albeit generally at a second tier kind of level. But where, where do we see it going? Because their group, Group F, it does contain the two teams we've mentioned, Atalanta and then Young Boys as well. So um, who's going to start us off? What's your initial thoughts, Andrew? We'll start with you. Yeah, it's an intriguing group. Um, I mean, young boys are are the outsiders, but the other three teams are definitely competing um, for the two spots. As you said, Villarreal got the better of um, United in the Europa League last year and Atalanta um, are always an exciting team to watch because of the way they play. I think they could probably, that they possibly will get um, sort of hit on the counter by United in a way that the Villarreal probably won't. Um, but I think um, Villarreal being a longer price than Atlanta to get through, I think if I'm just looking, yep, 1.952 for Villarreal to right. get through. I think that's um, that's decent odds. I, I think United are probably a given, but Villarreal being the longer price than, than Atalanta, I think is uh, is definitely worth a look. Yeah, that's a good shout, Jake. Um, would you agree with that? I mean, they've got they've got pedigree in Europe. Of course, they have. They've got a winning side. They've got a winning manager as well in Unai Emery, which seems daft to people who've only followed the Premier League in recent years. But um, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, can you see anything other than it being Man United and Villarreal going through out of that group? Yeah, I've got a slightly different stance. I think it'll be United Atalanta. I think um, Atalanta. They are, you know, they had a deep run a couple of years back in this competition. Um, they impressed last season as well. Um, and, you know, ultimately they are a team that are consistently, you know, really good at this level. And, and they're, uh, they are always at the top end of the Serie A. They're actually improving year on year as well, based on underlying numbers as well, which is quite frightening for, for teams in Serie A and across Europe. Because a few years ago, they were the entertainers. They were winning games 3-2, 4-3, scoring a lot of goals, creating a lot of chances, but also conceding quite a few as well. Last season was, the, was you know, 
quite a turning point in the sense that they were much more solid defensively um, and they did keep out or limit their opponents quite well while also still maintaining that attacking input. So really intriguing to see how they get on this season. They've actually kept the squad together as well, barring Christian Romero, who mm. obviously went to Tottenham. But um, as I think I said on a Premier League Insights podcast, I think Atalanta got the better of the deal from that one. They managed to get 50 million, or they will do eventually when the deal finalises, 50 million for Romero, but then they brought in um, you know, a Turkish international centre-half from Juventus who's you know, maybe a slight downgrade, but it's costing them a lot less money. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's the kind of business model that they run. They're very smart. And, and I think that the fact that they've kept all their attacking players you know, Zapata's still at the club. Luke Muriel's still there. Uh, Malinovsky, who obviously, you know, had a decent Euros. They're all still there. They're all still knocking around. Let's not forget, they've got Joaquin Mailer as well, the wing-back who really mm. impressed uh, for Denmark um, alongside Hatterberg, the other side. So I just think Atalanta are a much better team than Villarreal. Villarreal, they did beat Manchester United, but it was over, you know, a single game knockout, which is kind of Unai Emery's specialty. You can't just set up to, to sit back and, and, you know, ultimately counter-attack and ride, ride your luck at times even though they did limit United well in that game. But I think in a group stage, it's slightly different. Uh, the dynamics can shift game week to game week. They might end up needing to go to Old Trafford and actually need a victory. Yeah. And that could see them be picked off as opposed to, um, you know, maybe being able to sit back. So I think the first game in this group is actually going to be quite key because I believe, just go double check now, I think Atalanta are playing Villarreal um, in the first game. So that is quite a big, crucial match, even though it is early on. Um, just checking to see where it is. It's, so it's in Spain. So if Atalanta go to Spain uh, and actually get the victory, yeah, result. Yeah. then it's, you know, it, it really is looking like an uphill battle for Villarreal and they will have to change tactics. So um, keep an eye on that one. But as as a best bet for this, I think Manchester United will win the group. 1.5. It looks a little bit short, um, but I just think that they're the best team, the most balanced team. You know, you think of who they brought in, not even just Ronaldo we yeah. touched on, but Varane at the other end as well could prove to be a, a, a sensational signing. Not only is he just a world-class defender, but he's got serious pedigree in this competition. Um, yeah, pe- and pedigree, champ- you know, he's won, the, he's won it and also, you know, he's gone deep into it as well. It's that experience, isn't it? It does count for a lot in, in, in the Champions League. Um, if if you're talking value there, which was very good, um, and you're sort of, sort of not arguing, but just sort of discussing who's going to get out of that group there. Let's look at Group B then, because um, this one I think might cause a, a few uh, few riffs actually here on the podcast. Um, Liverpool, Atletico. I'm Madrid. intrigued to see if Andrew is going to be uh, optimistic or pessimistic as a Liverpool fan. <laughs> is that the first time we've outed you as a Liverpool fan, Andrew? I doubt uh, it. To be every honest. show, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> is it every time. Yeah, I, I think I seem to remember that. So I just wondered if it got edited out. Um, Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, AC Milan, FC Porto. Um, the question is, I suppose here, Liverpool are favourites to get out of the group. Um, but who should Liverpool be wary of? AC Milan to qualify is at uh, 2.45. Um, I mean, good good side. Good, well-organised side on the ascendancy as well. Um, but Atletico, again, have gone deep. The you know, finals in the last sort of five or six years or so. Porto as well, dark courses. So, um, Jake, we'll go with you. And then I want sort of just to put Andrew's pessimism or optimism to the test. <laughs> yeah, this is this for me is the um, is probably the best group of the lot because you've got four teams that can all realistically qualify. Um, you know, we look at Porto and you think they are the outsiders, but let's not forget that they made the quarterfinals last season. They knocked Juventus out um, after coming through a group with Manchester City. So um, they're no mugs at this stage. They've 
you've got a, a good coach who has them well drilled, well organised, and you've got some really good individuals. As you said, Milan are on the ascendancy. They really impressed last season from a, a data standpoint, uh, but also they actually had the youngest average age squad in the entirety of Europe last season. Um, so they, they're they going to be much better being a year older, a um, year more experienced, a year close. They've also brought in Olivier Giroud on a snip, which I think is a sensational signing for a, a team that likes to play with a target man. Um, and then obviously Atletico Madrid, who won La Liga last season. Defensively, they're sensational. They've actually brought in or brought back Antoine Griezmann. Um, they brought in Rodrigo de Paul to strengthen. They've obviously lost Saul, but overall, they, they look to be in a better place as well. Um, but I just think Liverpool are the most balanced team in the group. I think that they've got, you know, Atletico obviously probably, you might argue, but they're probably the best defensive team in the group. But going forward, they're nowhere near as dangerous as, as Liverpool. Um, and I think that Liverpool to win the group priced at 1.99 appeals quite quite a lot to me. I think that they'll have too much for both Porto, who they've actually dismantled over the last few years when they have met. Um, AC Milan, as I've said, they're quite fresh, quite young. While they will be more experienced, they're not experienced at this level. Um, most of their squad will, will be the first time they'll have actually played at this level. They've obviously lost a couple of players, you know, Donnarumma being the highlight one. Um but yeah, I just think Liverpool look a really, really solid bet. And although Atletico Madrid did get the better of them when they met, um, was it a couple of seasons ago in the Champions League? Uh, they rode the luck a lot. I think Andrew will agree with me on that one. They, they, the XG total said said it all. The Atletico were extremely clinical. Um, and again, it, it's one to keep an eye on with fixture uh, schedules as, as to how things actually work. So Liverpool play AC Milan at home first game if they get get off to a winning start then you know one of the challenges is really facing an uphill battle yeah yeah and right okay based on what Jake has said then Andrew I'm intrigued as to how you feel about it I mean you know from a, from a data standpoint you know Jake's kind of backed it up with numbers and that kind of thing as well as, as somebody who probably follows Liverpool closer than most um, how do you feel about about that and the, the chances of, of topping the group? Because essentially that's what Jake's said is where the value is there at 1.99, I think he said, Jake, wasn't it? So is that where you'd be heading, even with that sort of <laughs> slight pessimistic view that you might have as a, as a fan? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think to basically agree with uh, with what Jake said there. I think the fixtures have fallen quite nicely for Liverpool as well. Milan at home and then Porto away. Um, they've played Porto away twice in recent years and won 5-0 and 4-1. So they could have six points on the board before they even have to face um, Atletico Madrid, who they do traditionally struggle with. But even then, they're away against them first. So if they lose, it's not a disaster. And then they're at Anfield to play them for the for the second match. So the fixtures have fallen quite well. I mean, obviously, Atletico Madrid are going to be tough because they always are. But as Jake says, I mean, in that that game um, when they knocked them out of the Champions League in 2019-20, I mean, the, the XG that Liverpool posted against Atletico hasn't been matched by an opponent of theirs since. Um, so they were a bit unfortunate not to get through on the night. Um, so I think they're, I think they're sort of well set. You know, I agree with what Jake says about Porto. They did very well last season, but however well they do, they just don't seem to be able to stop Liverpool for, for whatever reason. And, and Milan, um, their XG stats were very similar to Liverpool's last season. But as Jake said, they are, they are inexperienced at this level. They've lost Donnarumma. Um, they've also lost, uh, his name escapes me the attacking player who created the most chances in the big five leagues last season. Akan Chalanoglu. That is him. Thank you, Jake. Yes. Um, he's oh, left man. on a free to go to Inter Milan, which is probably 
perhaps feels as bad as, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold joining Everton on a Bosman or something. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I do wonder about Milan if they're going to be able to sort of create enough chances with him with him having moved on. Um, although Giroud has, has given Liverpool plenty of problems in the past. He, he is a good signing, as Jake says. But um, no, I, I sort of feel, I feel optimistic that Liverpool could top the group, even though it, it does seem quite sort of difficult on paper. Yeah, and I think that is worth mentioning as well quickly that Atletico Madrid, they don't tend to have easy rides in the group stage just purely because they are a knockout team. They mm. prefer playing knockout football where they can control what's happening, the, you know, the situations. Whereas in the group stage, so many different variables can take place and they actually struggled to get out of the group last season, which I think included Salzburg and, and then at a, a, a real minnow name escapes me. But they had, they actually had to go and avoid defeat on the final day just to actually squeeze through that group so um, it might not be all plain sailing for Atletico Madrid and I think it's fair to say that whoever finishes third in this group will have a really good chance of winning the Europa League that's actually a good shout. That's a different kind of caveat altogether isn't it which we won't go into too much um, here on this podcast Um, right okay those are probably the two toughest groups um, that you know in my opinion anyway um, and and, um, I'm sure actually on paper really with, with the quality that we've got in those groups. The most unpredictable one for me, though, is Group C. Borussia Dortmund, Ajax, Sporting and Besiktas as well. Where do you start with a group like that? Because they're all kind of of a similar stature, all sort of signed players, all sold players. Nobody really knows what to expect from them this season. We're not experts on Dutch football um, or Portuguese football. You know, are we by any means? Exactly. But, you know, groups like that, I mean, Look, you know, we're, we're trying to help the, the listeners here try and find some advantage. Is that something that you steer clear of because of the sheer unpredictability of it and see how they get on the group stages? And obviously we're going to be doing um, preview podcasts for the knockout stages. Is that something that you then come back to? You know, it doesn't. we don't have to analyse every single group, but is that something if you, from a betting standpoint, is that a, a, an avenue that you'd go down? Just kind of avoid, avoid that to, to, to begin with. Usually, usually yes. Um, and you're right saying that Group C is actually is, is a tough to, group to decipher, but the bookies don't think it's the toughest group. They think that the the, the group involving Sevilla, Lille, Wolfsburg, mm. Salzburg, yeah. they actually think that's the, the, the tightest group in terms of um, who's going to win it, who's going to get out of the group. Uh, they, the bookies are actually quite fancy Dortmund to to win that group quite comfortably. Is that, not, is that not down to kind of previous previous history and, and pedigree though in the competition. The, the, the I just think it's down to them being the better team, to be right. honest. Right. <laughs> we say, say it's quite Fair simple. Enough. And, you know, Turkish football's not been at the level it has, you know, decades ago. Um, so Besiktas, they, they, they'll likely struggle. Ajax, as you say, they consistently sell their their best players. Um, you know, they've not had a, the best of starts to the Dutch league so far this season by their standards. I mean, they mm. usually win every week, don't they? Um, and yeah, Sporting Lisbon, the same. They they won the Portuguese league based on a, having one of the best defences in Europe according to expected goals. Um, but they've actually started quite rocky and that's because they didn't actually create as many good chances as the the teams like Benfica and Porto did last season in the Portuguese league. So a um, bit of variance catching up with them. Uh, as for Dortmund, they've got on paper the best starting 11. Um, you know, you only have to look at the spine of Haaland, uh, Bellingham, you know, Axel Witzel's been filling in at centre-half. He's been doing a decent enough job. Um, but, you know, they've got good centre-halves there in a kanji. Um, they've got threats on the out wide with Daniel Marlin, um, you know, Thomas Munier, right right wing back. They've got Guerrero, left wing back, who's, you know, really, really exciting to watch. I, I just think, I think that the Haaland factor is the big one. He could easily score 
six or seven goals in this this group and fire them to, to glory. So I'm, I'm looking at Dortmund at 1.62 and thinking that they're probably a bet to actually win the group. We've seen on Holland, haven't we, in recent games, what's he scored 11 in his last eight or something like that. So he started the season off to an absolute flyer. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of avoid those dodgy looking groups then I think shall we and we'll well I was just going to say about group G yeah. I quite I quite like Sevilla I don't know if Andrew's got an opinion on group G with group G I was quite surprised that Salzburg are the the outsiders in a in a group like that where there's no massively strong team um they are the outsiders to qualify it 2.53. I don't think that's a terrible bet I think they uh I think they're a decent team Karim Adeyemi is a good um He's the latest off their production line of uh, excellent young strikers. So, um, I mean, they're not a given to get through by any means, but I that sort of caught my eye. I think they've got a better chance than perhaps the bookmakers think. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much on Sevilla to win that group. I think that out of the four, they're the team that I would trust the most to, to be most consistent. Um, and, you know, they've showed it last season, getting out the group and, and you know, having a decent run. Finishing top four, quite close behind Barca, Real, Atletico last season. Um, they're just very, very solid, very, very pedantic in the way they play under Lopetegui. And I think that they'll win that group. 2.27 looked a little bit on the big side to me. I thought they'd be close to even money. I suppose before we go on to outrights, we should talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> um, and I know we did this on the Premier League Insights podcast. We might have had people who didn't quite reach it, uh, that, that part of the podcast, Jake, you know, who knows? Um, but also it's good to bring Andrew in on this as well. I think it's quite nice to get a different perspective. We were both waxing lyrical about Ronaldo and his kudos and his scoring pedigree. And of course, he's got the most Champions League goals ever, the most Champions League hat-tricks ever. Um, you know, the, the stats are absolutely there for all to see more Champions Leagues than, than Messi. Um, it, it's interesting, obviously both... Signed for new sides. Uh, we're not quite sure what to expect. Um, I mean, we obviously know that they are going to be standout players in, in, their, in their teams, you'd, you'd certainly imagine. We also talked about the fact that Ronaldo won't just be playing 40 minutes here and there or 20-minute cameos. You know, if he's playing, he's playing 90 minutes, Jake. And that's a point that you made um, quite keenly, actually, on the, on the Premier League pod. Um, can you see, uh, you know, a, a golden boot? This season, going to Cristiano Ronaldo, um, Andrew. First of all, can you can you see that happening in any way, shape, or form? I mean, Manchester United, you kind of fancy them to go fairly deep into the into the tournament, um, particularly with those additions that they've that they've made. So that obviously boosts the chances slightly. But um, is that worth some kind of value bet? I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, look on Pinnacle, you can also have who's going to score more Champions League goals this season. Ronaldo's 1.781 compared to Messi at 1.9. So Ronaldo's the favourite to score more than Messi. So where do you see that? Yeah, it's an interesting market. I think um, United have clearly got the the easier group uh, compared to PSG. So you would think Ronaldo will score uh, possibly more goals in the group stage. But I would fancy PSG to go further into the competition than um, United. So that would then sort of favour Messi slightly. But uh, it, yeah, it wouldn't be a surprise to see Ronaldo score more of the two. Um how much difference he'll make to Man United, I think, is, is kind of interesting because obviously Juventus bought him with the intention, uh, with the aim of winning the, the Champions League. And in his three seasons there, they went out to Ajax, Leon, and Porto. So mm. obviously that's not all his fault by any means. I mean, he did score in some of those games. But it's not like they were beaten by the by the biggest teams in Europe, as impressive mm. as Ajax and Leon were in those sort of respective seasons. They both did pretty well. But, you know, he, he didn't really help Juventus get any further than they were getting 
before. Yeah. Um, and uh, as sort of you touched on on the um, Premier League preview pod, um, yes, he sort of matches his expected goals, but he doesn't tend to do any better than that, which is certainly not the worst thing in the world, but he's not going to suddenly magic up sort of um, loads more goals than than the chances they create. So clearly it, it would be a shock if he didn't, you know, do particularly well and, and score plenty of goals this season, but he might not be the difference maker that, that people are sort of initially thinking, but we'll see. I mean, you know, it wouldn't surprise anybody if he did um, take them all the way, but I, I'm just not convinced just yet. No, um, Jake, I, you did give your two pennies worth. Actually, we both obviously have our views on Ronaldo. I think they are quite similar um, views on that. Just, just want to caveat that. We'll come on to kind of the outright, um, you know, runners and riders for the overall, um, you know, Champions League winners in just a moment. But this is interesting. On the twenty second of August, um, Manchester United were at fifteen exactly. Um, to win the Champions League on Pinnacle. Uh, The day that that deal was rubber stamped by Manchester United on the 6th of September, those odds had moved down to 10.8 on Ronaldo signing for Manchester United. So that's kind of a big difference that he's made, certainly to the odds and the prospects in the the eyes of the bookies. Um, So does that, you know, that that probably tells you something, doesn't it? It tells you something that he he is going to make a difference. And and, and Jake, I know you, you were kind of saying that all those points that he did win Juventus, you know, if you took away his goals, there were 24 points or something, which was like about a third of the points total in Syria last season. I know that, you know, it's still the same thing applies. You know, you've got the group games, points, you know, he is effectively, will be winning them points in the group stages and knockout matches as well. You know, he, he is going to, as far as the stats say, I don't know if you've got any views on uh, if the Champions League will be any different to the Premier League. Um <laughs> It's difficult to call it. It's that I think United's group, on paper, it looks like they'll get out a bit easy and I do think that they will top the group. But I, I think there'll be a few games in there where they actually struggle. Um, I think young boys will be the whipping boys. I think Ronaldo could easily rack up a couple of hat-tricks in those games if they actually create the chances for him. And and that's the key, really, for Ronaldo. As, as yeah. Andrew said, when it comes to you know him scoring goals, yeah, he scores bucket loads, but he doesn't overperform. He doesn't score 28 goals from 18 expected goals every season. His goals come are basically scored at an expected rate, at a rate that we would expect any player to score at if they had the same amount of chances. So um, it all comes down to whether Manchester United can feed him. And, and that's why the the additions of the Sanchos, um, getting Rashford back fit, they're all going to be key and crucial. And, and getting Bruno Fernandes and Ronaldo playing in the same team to a high level, which is something that we haven't seen for them do for Portugal, um, would be crucial because they're, you know, ultimately the players that will be supplying him with the chances. He's not going to do what he used to do back in the day, which is pick the ball up and beat three and four players and shoot and score. That's not the kind of player he is anymore. He's he's very much a fox in the box. He's a he's an absolute. He's dominant in the air. Um, so I'm looking at you know, Luke Shaw, Arawambi Saka. Their deliveries, I mean, Luke Shaw's improved his delivery, but Wan-Bissaka's got a lot of room to work there um, in terms of supplying Ronaldo with potential crosses. And, and yeah, it, it's going to be intriguing to watch. It, that match bet that you mentioned there, I definitely would be sided with Messi on that one. Sorry, I just think that um, at the prices, there's every chance he's going to be on penalties at PSG as well. Uh, mm-hmm. We've seen Mbappe and Neymar both fail with penalty attempts recently. Um, so there's every chance he'll be on the penalties. Yeah. He will be taking all the free kicks because his free kick record is absurd. Um, and you know he's playing in, a, in an attacking juggernaut, effectively. Yeah, yeah. That could easily go and play any of the teams in their group, barring probably Manchester City. Um, 
you know, they, they've got Club Bruges, who they should probably put four pass in each leg or in each game. They're playing Leipzig, yeah. who are in transition. They've just lost their coach. They've lost the two best centre-halves. Um, you know, there's every opportunity that they could score a couple against them. And then, yeah, against Man City, it'll be difficult, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if Messi was the difference in one of those games either. So yeah. I would definitely be taking Messi in that match bet over over. Ronaldo just purely because he'll be supplied with more chances than Ronaldo will most likely there you go there you go well that match bet is available on Pinnacle at the moment all odds of course subject to change uh, from the time of recording let's talk about outrights then now gents I think uh, just to round off this podcast because we look over you know some of the leading clubs you know the one trophy that's alluding our two favourites at pinnacle.com is the Champions League Uh, Pep Guardiola leaving potentially in a couple of years time from Manchester City Um, you know has something got to give you know this is I suppose straying away from the topic slightly something got to give in terms of how much onus they take on winning the Premier League title. I mean, City fans, you know, they've got this weird relationship with the Champions League, which we won't go into, but, you know, they've done the Premier League thing now. I know that sounds daft because you can never win enough league titles, but they've kind of done that now under Pep and he'll feel like that box has been ticked whether they win it this season or they don't. Surely he's going to probably sacrifice something in trying to get, you know, his hands on that Champions League trophy. So their second favourites, they're at 4.54 PSG, are the favourites at 3.760. And I don't actually have anything um, to suggest, you know, the messy factor and changing the odds on that at all. I'm assuming there was quite a big jump like we saw with uh, Ronaldo signing for United. Um, Outside that, you've got Bayern Munich at 7.86. Chelsea last, you know, the defending champions for goodness sake, 8.950. Sounds a little bit long, that to me. Um, Liverpool at just over 10s and Manchester United at just over 10s, like I mentioned as well. And there's a couple of outsiders that sort of caught my eye. Atletico Madrid at about 25s, Inter Milan at over 50s. And remarkably, two teams that we know that are just in absolute sort of free fall and a bit of a downward spiral at the moment. Barcelona and Real Madrid, 18 Champions League titles between them. And Barca are at 21.1 and Real are at 15s. So, gents, just run away with it. Just run away with whichever direction you want to go in. Where's the value there in the outrights? Um, We'll start with you, Andrew. You've obviously got your own ideas on this. Yeah, you've given me quite a lot to cover there, haven't you, really? Um, (laughs) Go go for it. Free wheel. Yeah, I think I would, if it were me, I would probably have Chelsea as the favourites simply because of the strength of their defence, which counts for, for a lot in knockout football once we get into the new year. I mean, I was looking at their record recently and since Tuchel took over they've only conceded 14 league goals and five of them came in a crazy game against West Brom and you look at their other nine goals in over half a season it's three penalties and an own goal in there as well so they just don't concede goals and I think having added um, a reliable striker in the form of Lukaku I think I think they could they should really be going a long way in this competition and and for me they would be the they would be the favourites um Liverpool, obviously, I have to mention, I think if they can keep their players fit, then they've, they've got a chance. If, if Klopp can put out the best 11 every time in the Champions League, they have a chance. But it's the same old concern, really. A few injuries and, and I don't think Liverpool can, can go all the way. And uh, with Manchester City, I mean, we probably sit here at this time of year every year and say, well, this could be Manchester City's year. And obviously it could be, um, but it hasn't been yet. Uh, it's interesting, obviously, their main addition this summer was Jack Grealish, who's never played a European game and, and still only has eight starts for England. I mean, as much as he's obviously a great player, no one's questioning that. I mean, 
is he going to be the difference maker for City in the Champions League? It, it, at this point, it's very difficult to say. I mean, he's an, yet another sort of attacking midfielder who'll probably score them, you know, 15 or so goals this season, but they've got loads of those already. So is he going to make the difference? I'm, I'm not sure at this point. Um, but I mean, certainly of the of the English teams, I would I would be uh, would favour Chelsea uh, considerably um, over the rest. But I'll I'll shut up there and, and leave Jake something to talk about. Well, no, I mean I mean look at those odds. I mean they they just look ridiculously long. But um, you know Jake, you, you know you run away with that. All those things that we've covered. You know the outsiders, Barca, Real. I mean odds long, and I think actually probably not even worth it worth a look at. Uh, you know when you look at the standard of their their squads now and the state that the rebuilding process that they're going in. Jake, I mean, do you, do you agree with Andrew that Chelsea are just massively long to say that they are the current holders and actually have inc- improved their squad, for goodness sake? Yeah, exactly. I, I won't go as far as saying they should be favourites, but I, I do think that their price is just ridiculously big. They they should be, in my opinion, third favourites behind PSG City, but they should be a lot shorter, maybe around the sixth mark. Um, I think that they're, as Andrew said, he's highlighted all the key points there. Defensively, they're probably the best team in Europe. Um, they probably got the best and deepest squad in Europe as well that you could you know swap out any player across the pitch um, and the backup is not going to make the team drop off in terms of quality uh, you could probably make two separate 11s to be honest that would compete at this level um, it's almost bordering on unfair but they're definitely the team that I would be looking at backing uh, at this stage I think that they're they've got a group that they should win um, Juventus are, are in their group potentially a tough tie but Juve aren't the team that that, that got to Champions League finals in, was it 2015, 2017? Um, I'm also looking at Bayern Munich at the price as well. I think they're, they're, they're at nines now on Pinnacle. Um, they're, that's too big for me as well. I think that they're, you know, they've got Julian Nagelsmann in who took Leipzig to the semi-finals a couple of years back. Um, obviously, he brought a couple of players with him that's still getting used to the system. So there might be some teething issues early on, but um, they've got a very, very winnable group. Just Barcelona really to contend with, and they're they're no they're in a right you know dire straits, aren't they? Mm. Um, so yeah, that for me they're they're probably again should be a little bit shorter than that price. You got but, Lewandowski yeah, but also, still there, and also by the time the the, the knockout games come round, surely that Nagelsmann um, style will have come into play, won't it? You know they'll they'll have had a you know pretty much a full Bundesliga season. Um, you know, all the German cup matches and all that kind of stuff as well. Plus your knockout matches, like you say. So that might have bedded yeah. in by then. Um, Just like Chelsea, they've got they've got quite a deep squad in certain areas as well. Um, you know, I, I think the only issue I have with them is are the wide players. I think Sane and Gnabry in particular haven't really kicked on from the promise that they have shown. Um, but, you know, other than that, you've got Alfonso Davies, who's just a frightening, frightening footballer. Um, they've brought in up a Meccano, the centre-half from Leipzig to sort of bolster and replace... Um, David Alaba um, Sabitz has come in to strengthen the midfield as well so it's it's really it's looking like a, a potential you know really good team that could almost repeat what they did a couple of years back and win the treble um, and yeah as for outsiders you mentioned one team Inter Milan that I quite like the look of I think obviously losing Lukaku is huge to any team but yeah. um, I think that keeping the bulk of that squad and team together well, yeah, they lost Conte as well, but keeping the bulk of that squad together is, is massively important. And, um, you know, they've still got that solid foundation that was built there, the, the back three, they still play. Um, you know, they've got some real talent in that team from an attacking standpoint. Latoura Martinez is still there. As Andrew said, they've got Chalanoglu, 
as well who's come through the door Joaquin Correa as well from uh, Lazio is a really good good player at a bargain price so I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them go far I think that they've lost Lukaku lost Conte the you know they're almost they're much more of a team now they, they had a couple of good individuals previously but now they are just a, a solid team um, that'll be very difficult to beat I'd also highlighted Sevilla who were priced at 67 uh, and again they, they are very much the same as Inter Milan in my mind in the sense that they've got no real individual talents that stand out but as a team, as a unit, they're probably one of the best in in, in the competition. Just for that, that well drilled, organised, um, and you know they they, as I've said, don't really have any stars, don't really have any egos to deal with. It's just all very much a very well organised team. Gents, great to get your insight here on the Champions League betting blueprint podcast. It is a little bit of a preview and we will be doing some as the group stages complete and we get into those knockout stages as well as we get towards the business end of the competition. But that's, I think that's good. I think people have got enough to get their teeth stuck into before the odds start changing massively. Um, definitely, I, I mean, the general consensus there is definitely get on Chelsea at those, those kind of prices uh, whilst they are still on there and they start blowing teams away for fun. Um, Andrew Beasley, Thank you very much. Jake Oscarthorpe, thank you very much indeed as well. Like I said, we'll be back with more. Um, remember, you, you can go to pinnacle.com. There's loads of betting resources on there. There's extensive pieces on Champions League and Premier League. And also, dare I say it, Cristiano Ronaldo's return to Manchester United. Remember, you can go at Pinnacle on Twitter ahead of the NFL season. We've got the Ryder Cup just around the corner as well. And uh, for more little uh, snippets and tidbits, you can go to pinnacle.betting on Instagram. Um, Please remember to gamble responsibly and their odds um, are correct at the time of recording. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.